Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I'm the host of the show where I get to have conversations with Olympic athletes, hopefuls, and legends on their story and path to the games. Today I have David Verberg of USA Track and Field Olympic Gold medalist Davey and I have an awesome awesome conversation about his life and what he's done how he's done it um I still have not sent him a video of me running the 400 but that will come it's starting to it's a little chilly today in New Jersey maybe one of these days I'll uh, I'll get out to the track right by my house and send him that video hopefully you guys all enjoy that so please this conversation was awesome he's such a cool guy we get, he was on the Ellen show for a, a, a segment which was really cool so really really appreciate it thank you guys so much and enjoy this conversation with David Verberg all right today's special guest i have david verberg of usa track and field olympic gold medalist born may 14th 1991 in gainesville florida holds the 400 meter dash record at his high school congratulations on that one attended george mason university where he was a four-time outdoor all-american a seven-time indoor all-american he is a 10-time gold medal winner in international competition including three world world relay championships one indoor championships two world outdoor championships and a gold medal in the 2016 games david thanks for hanging out with me today man i appreciate it thank you i appreciate it i appreciate it thanks for having me you're the olympic gold medalist you're the international star not me i'm just some guy (laughs) i'm some guy in new jersey in his basement asking you questions on a podcast so i i appreciate your time today man this should be fun um so yeah man we were joking about it before you know i said you know your your sport is everyone else's punishment so i I just gotta ask man like how how do you get into running as as a career as a sport were you running from someone trying to get out of florida what's going on man? um so crazy enough i uh I started running in Wyoming. I've lived all over the place. So, sorry, I didn't, uh, didn't say that That's earlier. Yeah, I bounced around quite a bit. So, I started running in Wyoming um, literally because I wanted to stay in shape for soccer and football and because track was a co-ed sport. So, I mean, it was seemed like a good idea for a young guy to get in shape and hang out with girls. So, nice. yeah. All <laughs> I right. I I really appreciate that honesty, man. Like some people will just lie and come up with their own story and just be like, oh, no, yeah, nope, straight to the point. I was 17 and I want to hang out with girls. Is that a problem? No, of course not. You're a smart man. like a great idea. Yeah, I mean, you guys have to practice with me. We have to be a team together. You got to know me, make you laugh. You know, it seemed like a great idea. So that was was, uh, the driving force behind it was uh, getting shape and and women. Well, it was was a really good idea because – uh, you got in shape. I have to assume you won a couple. You won a, a few gold medals, including an Olympic gold medal. And I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the girls flocked you after that. But um, uh, flocking, but yeah. Well, hey man, <laughs> hey man, we'll we'll do what we gotta do. Um, but yeah, man, I, I always just think it's really funny. Um, you know, just track stars and getting into the sport itself. Uh, was was there ever a discipline that you preferred the most? The hundred. I know you're in the 400 meter relay um, now. At least that's what you do internationally. Mm-hmm. But what was there anything? I mean. At a young age, you probably did just about everything, right? Yeah. So when I started track, I ran the 100 and the 200. Um, the 400 was, wasn't was until my senior year when I ran it on accident. Uh, I ran it because I was late for some practices, missed a couple workouts and stuff like that. So my coach put me in it on a Wednesday meet, one of those small meets. Um, and I ran it and I did pretty well. So they're like, well, guess what? You run the 400. And I'm like, I don't think so. And so I ran it in high school and that was like my best event. So when I, even when I got to college my freshman year, I thought in my mind, like, oh, no, I'm going to be 100, 200 runner. Like, that's, where, you know, that's where the flash is. That's what everyone wants to do. Um, and my college coach was like, nah, like, no chance. I think my whole college career I ran 100-meter race and three or four 200s. 
So yeah, definitely a four hundred drive. But my well, favorite was probably the hundred. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. quick. It's fast. You can get in and get out yeah, 10 seconds. Get in, it's a good out. day. Exactly. Exactly. That 400 hurts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Time. I could only Every imagine. And I will let you, uh, I'll live vicariously through you. How's that sound, David? I don't I don't even need to try it. I'll just take your word for it. Everyone um, should do it one time. Just, just one time for the one time. Because... All right. There's actually, so there's a track right by my house because I live by a high school and it's pretty shut down right now. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take you up on that. Maybe I'll send you a video tomorrow of me running the 400, <laughs> seeing how long it takes. How's that sound? Please do. Awesome, Please do. buddy. Oh, good stuff. And yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's funny, as you said, uh, as I said in the beginning, you, you hold the record for your high school at the 400 meter dash. Um, I mean, how, how do you do that? How do you not know? How does your coach not know that like, hey, maybe this is his best event? Was it just something you just didn't want to do it? Or, like, what is that? How does that work? See, that's the thing my coach knew. So my coach at the time was uh, Coach Smith at EC Glass High School uh, in Virginia. And he actually put me into the 400 because he was like, this is going to be your better event. Um, he saw it in me. My dad saw it. I was the one I was like, I don't think so. Um, until I finally started taking it seriously. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't until later in my senior year that I actually realized, like, okay, I might be a 400 runner, even though I don't want to be. Um, I got the record because I remember – I want to say Carlton Phillips, Phillips had it before me at 48 something. Um, and I remember that seemed super fast in time because my first race was like 50, 50 point. Um, and that was, that was, that seemed fast for me. So it was to run something like 48 and I broke the record. I ran 47 one. Uh, so for me, that was, that right there was, that was wild because I dropped over a second uh, my senior year. So that was, that was a big. That was a big step for me. Just realizing, okay, I might be kind of good at this, and I might be able to do something in sport. And going from not making the state final, you know, getting blasted the year before, to getting second, um, my state meet the following year, that made me realize, like, okay, like I'm better than I thought I was at this event, and maybe I should actually not actually because I was trying the whole time, but maybe I should, you know, focus even more on it yeah. and try to get even better. Yeah, that makes sense. And you said something at the beginning there. You said your coach knew and your your dad knew. What exactly, like, what what is the difference between a runner that's really good at the one hundred, the two hundred, and then the four hundred? Like, what what is it physical? Is it is it just the ability, the way to train? Like, what what did what did they see uh, that made sense? All of the above, really. It's physical. It's mental. It's how they train. Like how the athlete trains. Um, then you know they saw I was quick. I was fast because I could hold my own in the hundred and the 200 because you have to get out in the 400 anyway. You have to be quick. But um, my soccer background, I guess, and just, you know, tenacity, heart, stubbornness, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, made me a good finisher. So I was able to hold my top end speed a little bit better. I was able to to find something that's a little bit left to dig home, you know, the last 100 meters. And so especially in high school, that's not as common because the 400 hurts. So getting to finding somebody that actually wants to go out there and do it. So – and do it well is difficult. So the fact that I was able to go out there and not want to do it and still be able to compete well in it showed that, okay, maybe this, for some reason, my body was able to to adapt well to the 400. I have a long stride for my size. I'm only 5'7". I say I'm tall for my height because I think I am, you know. But um, most guys I'm racing against are easily six foot or above. So before my height, I have a long stride for whatever reason how I'm designed. So it worked out in my favor. It works out, man. And I'm actually, so I'm uh, right about your height, uh, probably 5'8 five, five, on a really good day. And um, <laughs> I, I'm the actually, weirdly enough, I mean, I'm not going to compare myself to you. I promise you that. But I have like this super short torso 
and my legs are really long. So I have a really good buddy of mine who's 6'1", and we wear the exact same pant size, right? Like okay, 100%. Like we can share pants because we have the exact same legs. He just has, you know, like six inches on me when it comes to the actual torso, which is kind of funny. So my body shape's all weird. And hey, maybe maybe if I trained when I was younger, I could have could have done something with it. You, you never know, you know, like you never know what you get into. You try a lot of things and see what sticks. So. You got to got Hey, exactly. You got to try, man. So out of out of high school, obviously, as you said, so coming yeah, that senior year where you jump significantly, that that is pretty impressive. When did colleges did, did they know, like, were you being recruited that senior year? Or, like, how did that process work? Because, obviously, track and field is huge in college. Actually, I wasn't recruited all that well uh, or that highly in high school because I wasn't that fast yet. I didn't drop those times until late, like, not late, but, mm-hmm. yeah, around May or April into my senior year. And you, all the recruiting done usually in, you know, January and February of that year. So I was almost panicking a little bit. You know, all my friends, I'm seeing people sign, like people that were, I thought slowly we were signing. Cause at the time I had ran like 48 something, which was decent, but not yeah. over the hill. Um, so yeah, I, was, I started to panic a little bit. I was worried about, you know, why wasn't I getting calls? Why wasn't I getting letters? I had a couple trickling in here and there, but nothing major. Um, and then I had one track meet where I ran the top times in the state in the one, two, and the four, um, same track meet. That's when I broke, uh, yeah, that's when I broke the school record mm-hmm. was was there. So, and then all the letters came after that, but I had already signed to Mason. I'd already went on my visit. Um, I'd already talked to him. Javel Bullard was the state champion the year before in Virginia. He signed there. So, the combination of going on my visit, liking it, um, the fact that he was a 400 runner, he signed there. So, I was like, well, if he, he sees something that I might not see, you know, so that really influenced me to go there as well. Um, so I'd already signed by the time I got quote unquote fast. So I got all these letters in after that, like all these letters. And I was sitting here like, can I decommit? And like, I was like, no, like you already, you already signed, like it's done. So mm-hmm. I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little upset at the time because I'm getting like SEC schools in. SEC. I was just about to ask what schools are, what schools are sending you these? I mean, hey, shout out to George Mason for seeing, they probably saw it in you, of course, right? But um, no, I mean, like, what, what were some of these schools that were, uh, were sending you these letters? Um, I was getting, I got letters from Virginia, UNC, Arkansas, Georgia, um, Oregon, uh, USC, California, um, some small, I got, Liberty, University of Virginia, I'm trying to think, Tennessee. So pretty much everybody. School. There was a lot, like, a lot of, a lot of inches started trickling in after, after that because it showed I had range and I could run. But like I said, they, that was like just the interest letters. Like I already done the whole process with Mason, already signed. So it was already too late. But looking back, you know, in hindsight, that's exactly what had to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got to Mason. Uh, and it was, it was that's all she wrote after that. Like, exactly, that was, it was a smaller school, so I got to make a name for myself. And the program was fully behind me, and I think I wasn't just another fascinating crowd. So it was, uh, it was the right move. So I'm glad, I'm glad life steered me in the right direction because knucklehead young me would have <laughs> signed to a big school, and that's all <laughs> been out. I mean, I'm sure you would have had fun while you were there, but I'm sure, again, as you said, like that, that's the way it was supposed to happen, right? Like I, I'm, I'm grateful that it happened the way it did for you because again, it, it allowed you to stand out. It allowed you to do a lot more. And, and as you even said, you're not just another fast name in the crowd. You are the guy at George Mason at that point. And even you said you, you, you had a familiar face there. You went through the whole process. I'm assuming you liked going through that process and mm-hmm. seeing what yeah. that was like. And they showed you some love in the beginning. So shout out to them. You know, they, they deserve... They saw they saw what you were capable of. Maybe they oh, didn't yeah, realize, definitely. 
maybe they didn't realize you'd be a four-time All-American American in the outdoor <laughs> and a seven-time in the indoor. But hey, you know, shout out Who to them did? for at least. Uh, yeah, exactly, right? Who did? <laughs> so I think that is awesome. When so so the only thing I personally know about George Mason is that Final Four run they made a few years ago. How how much when uh, you you and I are about the same age, so I'll be totally honest. I don't remember exactly when that was. Um, but how how loud and proud are they still about that to this day? Oh, very. You know, that's one of the. I, I want to say, forgive me, all my Patriot fans that are listening, because I, I want to say it's two thousand six mm-hmm. was the was the Final Four run. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember I, either. I, so. I hear it enough, so I should know. I should have it ingrained. But um, no, that was huge because, you know, Mason's uh, is one of those smaller schools that you don't really hear about, and to get that far in such a big tournament is huge. Oh yeah, you know, it's always one of those kind of David and Goliath stories. So that's that's kind of the mantle I took on as well in track, just because it would be like Florida, Georgia, you know, Oregon, and then George Mason. I remember people like thought for a while my name was Mason or George Mason because they didn't hear the school, but they heard the name across the intercom. No way. I swear, yeah. Yeah, it was That's actually kinda of funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is a small school. Like that's literally the only thing I know about it is that final four round they made. And I loved every second of it. I'm all about it. You know, March Madness is exactly. the best. Um so that is that is pretty cool, man. And I'm I'm glad uh that is fantastic. So I, I have to assume at some point during George Mason, again, when you're racking up and, and also, you know, there's four years in college and you get eleven all American you know, votes or you get, you're, you're an 11 time all American. Don't know really how that math breaks out. I have to assume it's multiple different events, but um, when, um, when did you kind of realize that, Hey, like this could be a career I could potentially, you know, take this be, be on team USA, USA track and field. Like at what point during your time at George Mason, did that become a reality? Uh, well, a lot of those were uh, from relays and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. shout out to my teammates. Um, at Mason, they they made it. They made Mason what it was for me. Honestly, my teammates were were amazing. My time there and helped all of this really become possible. Uh, my junior year was 2012. Yeah, 2012 my junior year, and I started getting faster that year. I went 45 for the first time that year, which is kind of like that that mm-hmm. elusive number. Where if you get into that 45 barrier, you're not competitive. Um, you cannot get into races. You cannot compete. And so I hit that 45 mark. And so now I'm like, okay, well, dang, like I'm, I'm right with those guys. And then I started getting consistent 45. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, now I'm consistently here. It's not just a fluke. I, I, can, I can actually do it multiple mm-hmm. times, like almost on command. And then I went to Olympic trials. And my goal was just to go. I remember the start of the year, my goal was just I want to go to trials. And then as the year going on, I'm like, oh, I could, I could you know, maybe do some of the trials. So I get the trials. I'm like, okay, I just want to make the final. And so I realized, like, I could actually make this team. So I make the final by the skin of my teeth. Um, I wasn't supposed to make the final. I make the final. I'm in lane one. I was so nervous before going on. Like, I never ran in socks. Like, I never run in socks all year. Like, I don't run in socks. I run on arm sleeve. I'm very particular about what I'm running. For comfort reasons, luck reasons, you know, pick Superstition, baby. But, uh, superstition, yeah, exactly. So I look down. I'm wearing these purple socks. Mind you, they're not even athletic socks, so they're kind of like making my feet fight. Like, they were just some purple socks, and I'm mind you, I'm green and gold like Mason. And I look down, I'm just like, <laughs> like, oh, like at that moment, I'm in the blocks, like just crap. And there's this picture of me uh, on the jumbotron, and it showed my face like right after I saw that I had the socks, and I'm blown, like I'm just like <laughs> crap. Um, so yeah, Adelaide won. I fought for it, but I missed the team by a mm-hmm. spot. 
uh, I'm going to sit by spot by spot. But by doing that, you still have to go through team processing. So you still have to go get all your sizes done. You still have to try on all the equipment. Oh. You still have to, yeah, you still have to act like you're going because you could potentially be called up, mm-hmm. um, which almost happens. Whoa. So, yeah, you have to go through and basically get all the stuff that, like, you're not getting. So I'm seeing, like, all the other guys that made it, like, trying all this stuff, like, hype. And I'm just, like, trying not to cry like yeah right i'm just like oh i'm even right there like dreams you know childhood dreams dreams you never think gonna happen and it's like literally a step away and it just it messes with you a little bit but it also you know fired me up for sure oh yeah but yeah that was a that was a painful day oh my goodness it's the socks man it's the socks it was the the socks i burned those socks too I was gonna when say, I, I hope you either <laughs> threw them out or chopped them up I, or something. I, threw them through. You, I burned them. Uh, I went to a campfire like later that <clears throat> later that week, and I definitely threw them in there. And is anyone like, yeah. hey, uh, David, did you just throw your socks in there? Yeah, guys, long story. I don't want to talk about it. They they uh-huh. did actually ask. Yeah, um, they're like, what's that about? I was like, honestly, I was like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to talk about it. No, and, and I, it smells I, like it's like burning. Like, yeah, right. Socks. Yeah, it was it was it was weird. Well, hey, I mean, it's it's funny now because obviously, again, you you made the next team, so I think that that's pretty important. But it's um, I mean, it's it, it's kind of a cliche in sports, but you kind of have to lose before you learn how to win, right? It's yeah, a lot. Um, I I would say yeah, it takes it takes some else to to make you realize some things, get you exactly right, make you focus because sometimes you know some athletes have that mentality from the jump, you know, or just born that way, have that mentality and can just you know come out firing and then some need the you know need to take the rougher road to get to where they need to be. and that was definitely me um definitely had some lessons throughout my career that taught me like okay i need to work hard i need to get mentally better i need to do this and that um and those setbacks you know ultimately made greater comebacks later on mm-hmm. it just wasn't when i wanted it so yeah, of course. Like you would, it would have been nice shit if you made the twenty eight, two uh, two thousand eight team, right? But like you know, it's it's, exactly, it's but... just one of those things where you know it's it's a it's a it's a funny story now, especially again because what mm-hmm. happens later in the story, uh, as long as everyone knows. But it, it's just one of those things. I mean, you look at Michael Michael Jordan, LeBron James, just like everybody, they had to learn how to lose before they were able to go on and be you know super, supreme all you know superstars and learn how to win. You know, so it's I, I always like kind of hearing those stories because it, it also makes you more interesting, right? As you said, like those setbacks, that's with you for the rest of your life now. Like that is something oh, that you yeah. can't forget. You're a step away. You're, you're for whatever reason, putting on two purple socks away from potentially <laughs> making two <laughs> Olympic games and potentially winning two gold yeah. medals. Um, but yeah. it's just one of those things, man, where I think it's, it's pretty important. And so I guess from that point moving forward, um, also perspective, right? You, you went into the 2012 finals just being, or, or, trials just being like i would just like to make the finals right mm-hmm. so if, if you kind of had that perspective still and being like well not only did i make the files i made it a step away from making the games you superseded what you were you thought you were going to do oh yeah definitely definitely so, definitely but it also changed my mindset and helped me my senior year because i did that my junior year so going into my next year um i already knew like okay i've competed with literally the best in the country so finishing that last year out in college was a lot easier confidence wise. Cause I already knew like I've been here. I've done that, you know, so now let's just do it again. I love it, man. And then, so when, um, so that was, that was the 2012 <clears throat> Olympic trials. What were some of those international competitions? As I said before, we have 10 gold medals along the way, 
Uh, I don't think I need to repeat them because you know them pretty well. But uh, I mean, like, yeah. what what are some of those international competitions like? Knowing again that you were kind of just one step away from the the uh, the Super Bowl of of track and field, essentially. So my first like senior international medal was 2013 um, Moscow World Championships. I got it in the four by four, which I led off the relay. And funny enough, I uh, I was I didn't think I was going to be running in the final at all because I had placed sixth um, to make the team. So, of course, you get to learn prelims and all that. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get to learn prelims. They're going to take me out. And then, you know, I did my part, helped the team, and that was that. But I trained really well um, at training camp, leading two weeks up. I trained. I was really training. I put some really good time in training camp. Um, I stayed on it. I was really, really competitive in training camp. And the coaches saw that. I didn't even realize they were, you know, paying attention. I was just out there just trying to – thankful to be there and just trying to grind. And um, I split well in the prelims the day before. And so I get a call. I went out that night, not thinking, you know, not thinking that I'm going to get called up for the final. So I'm just happy, like, oh, you know, the guy's going to go out there and win tomorrow. I did my part. I'm still going to win. Like, so I went out that night, stayed up a little later than I should have, walking around, doing whatever. And I get a call in the morning. Mind you, I should not have done any of this. So children listening, young athletes, do <laughs> not follow suit. This is a huge rookie mistake. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I get a call the next morning, like, oh, yeah, David, uh, you're leading off. Thank you, coach. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was so nervous at that point because just mentally, I just didn't do the prep the night before uh-huh. that I usually would have done. Mind you, I was way more relaxed. I still slept well. Like, it's not like I was up till four in the morning. I just didn't do my usual prep that I would have done if I knew I was competing. Um, in hindsight, that might have been great. Because I might have slept, you know, a little more relaxed. I was calm, you know, all the jitters were done. So I actually got a night, good night's sleep. Um, but yeah, I didn't know until the next morning, like, oh yeah, David, you're in the final. I was like, crap. Um, but I let off. I had the fastest split out of the lead leg, which is almost never done. Uh, just because the lead leg, you're starting off the block. So mm-hmm. I was, I was really hyped. I was really happy. That was my first one that kind of kicked it off. And from there, it was. Uh, I kind of earned the trust of my teammates, my peers. You know, I kind of solidified myself as like, okay, he can be counted on because I came, showed up, and did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I, you know, I made teams, indoor teams, outdoor teams. We won a world record indoors back in 14 for the 4x4. Four four. Um, you know, I led off a couple times. I'm Team USA captain before um, a World Relay Championship. So that kind of kicked off the whole USA experience for me. Um, was was making that team and you know getting the lead off that relay and learning the trust basically. That's awesome, man. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm not sure if that cough in there was uh, was was delivered or not, but it sounded it was perfect for the story. Um, just making sure, yeah, man. I mean, getting getting that call, especially when you're not expecting it, and expe- especially as you said, again, it's not like you're out till four o'clock in the morning, you know, boozing up or anything. But at the same time kids at home just like just prepare as if you are going to be the leader and if not then hey then it's fine then you got nothing to worry about but as you said hey man maybe it was a blessing disguise you slept a little bit better you were relaxed you have everything to go and uh it sounds like kind of ran a little scared too just to make sure no one could call you out on what was going on oh for sure i (laughs) i made sure i put everything you know 110 percent you know on the track anytime though you know anytime of course definitely Definitely would have a baton in my hands. I, I make sure I give them my all because it's not just you at the end of the day. You know, mm-hmm. you have teammates, you have team USA in your chest. You have a lot, a lot riding on you. So you mess up. It's not just like, oh, David brother messed up. It's team USA loses. Mm-hmm. And they're going to look at who, who calls them to lose. And it's like you. So 
Well, yeah, I remember, if I'm not mistaken, in the 2016 games, uh, didn't something happen with the USA women in, I can't remember which relay it was, but like someone dropped the baton and then they came back and they actually said someone ran into somebody and it was like a little bit of a, a thing for a minute there. Um, I think they ended up winning, but yeah, it's just something where it's, it's the whole team at that point. Mm-hmm. It's Team USA. It's not, it's not David, it's Team USA. So yeah, exactly. definitely uh, that little extra level of accountability. And something I've always been curious about, especially when it comes to relays, and you explained it a little bit, but like how many guys or, or girls are in one of these relay teams? Because as you said, like maybe you'll be running the prelim and then, you know, as long as you guys make it to the finals, they'll have someone else switch in. Like how does that normally work? And I guess why were you surprised if you're running the prelim? Why wouldn't they just have the best team run the prelim and the final? Like I'm just kind of curious about the, like some of that background. So it- it varies by team and by coach, but the usual standard for at least for how the team USA does it, um, they take top three. So top three at whatever championship, like USA championships we had qualification, they run in the final. So usually you're only running for one spot that's open. Okay. And then they take six people though over to whatever the competition is. They take top six in the final um, to fill out the spots in case somebody gets injured. Um, then you have fresh legs, so you can run somebody in the final, then bring him in, bring in, you know, a faster guy that had earlier rounds or somebody had like sitting reserve to run in the final. It's just a way of kind of having the best team at all times. Mm-hmm. Same way NASCAR, you have those extra tires ready, it's, you know, literally it's in the same, same mindset, honestly. Um, but yeah, so I was sixth. I was the last person to get in. So I'm figuring I'm going to run in the prelim because they need the bodies, but also I had to get through you know, three of the guys to get to that empty, that empty spot. So I'm thinking, okay, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get to that point, but not even realizing that taking into account <clears throat> training, relay splits and everything else. But the pool is they take six just so you have cushion. So you have four people in the final and then two people reserved because you never know what's going to happen. Um, and then they had, they might not run, you know, one person mm-hmm. might not run. Um, if they don't run, then they wouldn't get included in that medal because they didn't touch the track. But mm-hmm. if six people ran, so if they take two people out, everybody ran, everybody gets a medal because you contributed to the team because otherwise the team wouldn't get in the final. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you were talking about before, right? You ran in the prelims, you touched the track, so you're 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 good, man. Hey, I'm going to, you know, the team's going to rock it. I'm going to get my medal. We're all happy. Everything's good. Little did you know, yeah. uh, you guys were in the <laughs> finals too. Yeah, yeah, little did I know. But I needed it. I can't, like, you know, in hindsight, set everything off for me. So once again, Things didn't go my way, thank God. <laughs> yeah, man, I love it. It's it's very impressive, um, and I think it I think it is pretty darn cool. So this uh, so 2013. So this is essentially the the start of the 2016 quadrennial. So the quadrennial is the four years, mm-hmm. including the Olympic year, um, leading up to 2016. Through that time, I mean, how much did you grow as a person? You know, constantly, you know, knowing that I didn't make it in 2012, 2016. I'm not going to not let myself make it. Uh, every year, I just kind of slowly got better um, on the track, mentally, physically, um, you know, confidence rose. I started learning actually how to run the 400 instead of just going out there to blast it. And, you know, pretty I make it in, actually learning like, okay, you know, I can hit it here. I need to relax here. Um, getting more consistent. So I was able to actually um, pace myself through rounds. So now I'm able to run a little easier in the first round and kick it in the gear in the second round. Having to be able to play with that, you know, play with my gears really now I actually have gears to work with rather than just raw speed and just heart. Now I actually know what I'm doing. I've kind of honed my craft a little bit more. 
so definitely the next, you know, from 2013 on, every year was just about getting a bit better, you know, chasing percentages, especially in, you know, elite, elite athletics. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing the same thing, more or less, you know. We're all at the track. We're all in the gym. We're all running about the same thing in practice. So it all comes down to how well you're able to relay that information day after day, how you'll be able to retain it, your muscle memory. Mentally, are you doing your checks and balances? You know, are you able to stay strong through all that? Um, little alone to a lot of people, I broke my wrist in uh, 2016 in the fall. So that messed up a lot of my training. Uh, I kept that hush-hush. <clears throat> like, it messed up a lot. I was panicked, scared, mm-hmm. but you had to, I had to adapt my training and fix things. So as long as you stay mental, but mentally you had to stay, you know, stay in it. Um, and I think that grew a lot over the years, like my mental um, capacity to be able to mm-hmm. handle things, handle rounds, handle the stress of meets, you know, agents, the international travel, just expectations, being able to handle everything um, was a big growth step. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is very important. And um. Is there a good story behind you breaking your wrist, or is it just kind of we can we can leave it? It's fine. Like I, I don't, nah, we don't need to touch uh, it, but I'm kind of curious. So I was my friend, well, my best friend Adrian. He came down, um, came down to Florida to visit, and we were throwing the ball around him and some other friends before practice one day for football. And I went up to block it from somebody, and I jumped up and I swatted away, and I jumped up a lot higher than I thought I did, and I fell down and kind of just fell awkwardly. And tumbled, rolled on it. And I'm like, you know, I'm flexing. Like, something feels weird. I still practiced. I had 400 that day. Went to practice. Um, went home. We went out that night. Uh, woke up the next day. Made coffee. I tried to pick up my coffee cup. And I dropped it. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, you know it's a little swollen. Yeah, it hurts. You know, whatever. Sprained it. Big deal. I go to the football game. We went to the UF game. I went to take them there. Having a great time. And I'm sitting there. And my wrist is, like, throbbing out. I'm like, yo, hey, man, I think I, think I broke my wrist. So we go to the ER and check it out, and yeah, I broke it. Yeah, I had a big old cast on for a while. It was yeah, it was awesome. Oh, no, man. <laughs> okay, all right. That's 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 solid. Yeah, I've jumped a little too high before. I never fell on my wrist, thankfully. And and again, you know, maybe maybe that's my next video for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a video of me running the 400. I'm gonna show you a video of me trying to jump high and not break my wrist. So I got two things for you. Please, um, I mean, you need to teach me the landing because clearly I don't have that down. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know how well I'm going to have it down either, man, but uh, we'll, uh, we will definitely see. So what, um, so going back to the, the story a little bit more, sorry for that tangent, but always just kind of curious. Um, of course. So you, you were talking about the, the mental side and the mental aspects, like how much, as you were saying before, everyone's running essentially the same times. You're all doing essentially the same things. We're all, you're, you're all at the 99 percentile. You're trying to look for that little little tiny bit that's going to give you that one hundredth of a second, you know, one thousandth of a second, that might even be too much. How much do you pay attention and how much do you focus on keeping your brain right, keeping your mental right and making sure that you are, you are aligned perfectly with what you're trying to do on a daily basis? Oh, all the time, you know, every day, you know, every day at practice, you're, you know, you're focusing on how you feel, how does my body feel, you know, how am I, how do I feel going through this zone? Um, mentally, am I focusing on my own race, not other people? Like, am I blocking it out? So every day you do little checks just to make sure, you know, in practice, you know, getting ready for your races. Because if you don't and you get the race and you try something else, you try to block everything out, it's, it's not going to work because you haven't done it in practice. Literally everything you do in a race, you have to do in practice. You know, you have to have the same intensity. You have to try the same mental cues. So little things daily, you know, even like little things like walking around, um, and try to like block out traffic noises by focusing on something. Just little, little daily, daily cues 
just try to get that mental sharp, mm-hmm. try to keep yourself aware, try to give yourself that edge in any way possible. And everyone does different things and, you know, whatever works for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I'm always trying to focus and in, in getting better there. Awareness is huge. Um, and once you can really start to utilize it, it becomes almost like a superpower, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, and it sounds, sounds like you've been doing it and you're getting better at it every day, which is very important too. So um, the, the 2016 quadrennial sounds like it was an absolute blast. When, um, when you got around to Olympic trials again, well, are there any other good stories within those, those couple of years? I'm sure there's a couple. We don't have to go over all of them. But, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah. Good stories, good stories. Um, there were just a lot of good moments through there. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of good, I had a good training group. You know, I was winning a lot of races. You know, so that that stretch through there was really good for me career wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2016 again, I had some other actually injuries. I was dealing with some plantar fascia problems in 2016. Ooh, yeah, yikes! In uh, in my heel, in my foot. So Olympic trials, like my foot was numb because <laughs> I yeah, because I was getting like stuff done to it, and yeah, that was actually had me nervous, like nervous, nervous, nervous. Um, once again, I didn't say anything because it sounds like excuses. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever, yeah, even if I'm saying, I don't, who says going into something like, oh, well, I'm hurt. Like, then why'd you show up? You yeah. know, either just, you just run and do it and get it done or just don't. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was dealing with that. So once again, mentally, I had to kind of get over that and physically I had to try to adapt my training and change it and get through that little hump. So that was a, another personal victory, really, because making the team on top of, dealing with all that on the outside was, was a big picture for me. But I yeah. really special. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the unfortunate part with the Olympics only being once every four years, like people get injured. You're an elite athlete. You're, you're working your body harder and harder um, than pretty much anyone else on planet earth. If, if the injuries just fall in the wrong year, man, like it's just, I mean, I don't it's, believe in luck. It just sucks. There's really nothing yeah, to do about it. I feel for anybody to have like a devastating injury, like Olympic year, anything happened, like, right beforehand because you do so much like once you say once every four years like that's <laughs> that's ridiculous and you do all this training for a moment that could literally disappear because of an injury because of cold like let's say you get sick at the wrong time your body doesn't care but neither do your competition so mm-hmm. it's uh, everything literally has to be aligned at the right time everything has to click you have to not only do you have to be feeling well but you have to hit all your races well you have mm-hmm. three rounds to get through like yeah you have to be on it you have to be on it it's so it's, it's rough. But you made it through, as you said, you utilized your mental fortitude. You, uh, you got through those injuries. And uh, what was it like when, when you saw the rings come up next to your name uh, at Olympic trials? That was one of the best feelings just because it was relief. Honestly, it was just a big sigh of relief because I, I did it. You know, I had a goal. I came out there. I did it. I failed before, but now it's even better because now I'm not, you know, on the relay. Now I'm going individually as well as the relay. So mm-hmm. not only did I make it, but now I made it in the spot I really wanted to be in. Um, I made it when it counted. And it's uh, it's one of those childhood dreams of, you know, coming true. You know, you want to, mm-hmm. I want to go to Olympics in soccer or snowboarding or something, you know, and then mm-hmm. it was track. But anyway, you just want to go. That's the goal of any, not any athlete, but in sport of like mine, definitely you want to go to the Olympics. And, I just made that come true. So seeing that, you know, seeing your name up there was kind of surreal. It was like, wow, like, all right, like, I, I did it. Like, holy crap. Like, all, everything, you know, everything paid off. Like, all the sacrifices you made, like, not going to family events, you know, you can look back and be like, okay, but it was for, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it was for the reason. Like, yeah, I paid off. Like, you made, made it happen. So, yeah, definitely surreal. One of, definitely a joyful moment, um, for sure. 
sure. think it's awesome, man. And that's why I have these conversations with people like you, because uh, I love living through it because I get the chills uh, when hearing all this stuff. So I always appreciate appreciate your story. So you uh, you make the 2016 team. I mean, what was what were the Olympics like? You got Rio, which was pretty sweet. You know, same time zone. That might have been super helpful, too, I'm assuming, or at least close to it. You don't have to travel all the way around the world. I mean, tell, yeah, tell me about nice. your experience, man. No, Rio was amazing. You know, the, I know media kind of downed it a little bit about being dangerous and this and that. I mean, <laughs> shoot, the media. Houston, Houston, Atlanta, Miami are dangerous. <laughs> Everywhere is dangerous. Yep. You have, you know, major populations. But I didn't see anything. People were very friendly. Beaches were beautiful. Food was good. Um, the village was, was, was nice. It was cool to have so many different countries and athletes around in one spot. Um, I'm used to seeing like track and field everywhere, but now you're seeing, you know, volleyball, basketball from all over the world and just the unity. You really feel how everyone coming together is really cool. And the highlight for me was the, uh, the opening ceremony. Yeah. Just because you see that, you know, growing up since you can remember, and that's like the big moment that everyone gathered around the watch for sure, like the opening ceremony. So being able to actually like walk out there and be in the ceremony and have people like, text you and say like hey i saw you and i positioned myself on purpose yeah. <laughs> strategically uh because i know i, I stabbed or I stood behind uh justin gatlin and who else was there um alice and felix because they were the two yep. medalists and two track yeah so i made sure that i stood back and to the right so when the, <laughs> when the camera shot on them i would also be there i knew what i was doing oh yeah oh yeah i knew what i was, doing. I was gonna get my own time let me steal somebody else's but uh <laughs> hey man however it works uh, Right, make it count. But no, it was that was a great experience. Just being able to be part of those games and be part of that journey. You know, yeah, that was that was really. And that's cool. always what I hear. Um, Opening ceremonies. There's literally nothing like it. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I hear the walk to get there is pretty long. Um, and then that process is is long. But other than that, everything is incredible. Just the stadium, all all the people. You know, they're you're in a completely different country. They're still rooting the heck out of you. Um, and just again, yeah, just to be there with the rest of Team USA and seeing all however many hundreds of you are there and representing, you know, one country all dressed in the same, same gear is that uh, they, they say there's absolutely nothing like it. And it sounds like you're, uh, you're, you're seconding that. Oh yeah. It's so special, you know, cause especially afterwards, like everyone's just walking around taking pictures, talking to each other. And it's before the game starts. So there's no, there's no rivalry. Like everyone's actually just having a good time. No competition faces on. Like you just trading pins with people from different countries, snapping pictures, laughing, joking around. Like it's, it's really good community time. You kind of just get to sit there and just be in awe of the fact that you're meeting and greeting people literally from across the world, you know, mm-hmm. different different religion background, training differences, you know what I'm saying, different sports. And everyone's just here mingling to this one big competition that's been celebrated for hundreds of years. You know, it's, it's a really special moment to be a part of all that because now you're part of something that's even bigger than yourself. And... A select few get to do that and just be able to be there and be like dang like i get to be a part of it is really cool i love it man and so did you uh you said you were snapping pictures of everybody did you go meet like lebron and carmelo and all the the guys from the basketball team at some point uh so we were actually sitting right next to they have us like in the holding area so we're actually sitting in some USA basketball when we were in there um so i was in the chat with them i actually have a picture with Kyrie. Um, Very we cool. Sitting there chatting and talking, a picture with him. Yeah, so it was it's cool getting getting to see people that you usually watch and play, and then now you're like you're on the same team now. Yeah, so you're like, equals. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like we're you know we're in the same the same uniform right now. And that's that's kind of that's kind of really dope. The fact that me and Kyrie are in the same team right now. Like we're not saying the same sport, yep. but overall, you know, we're on the same team. So that was kind of cool. That was like, dang, this is like kind of surreal that all these sports get to come together. People I usually don't get to see. 
um, right here. And it was definitely a surreal moment. Like, it was definitely special. And once again, made all that hard work, all those crying, throwing up, booty lock, everything worth it. Everything worth it. Bro- broken wrists and all, man. Broken wrists broken and all. Wrists and all. I love it, real. dude. Yeah, that's, <laughs> again, you're right. Like, you're all you're all on the same team. You know, it's all team USA at this point. It doesn't matter what sport you're playing for. You're all playing for the same thing. You're re- trying to represent, you know, our, our country and, and do it at the best possible, do it in the best possible way. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're on uh, basketball, volleyball, field hockey, you know, whatever you're doing, track mm-hmm. and field, we're all on the same team. And it, it's kind of cool. Like you were an equal with LeBron and Kyrie. And I think Kobe was there in 2016 as well. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, just, just having that opportunity and understanding that you're all, you're all there to do the same thing, which is great. And, yeah, man, you uh, you also won a gold medal like our basketball team did that year as well. So, yeah. I mean, what was what was the that that sounds like the atmosphere, the experience was incredible. Well, the competition you're facing all the same teams, right? Like, there's really mm-hmm. nothing too different about the actual competition aspect of it, other than Correct. well, hey, now three billion people are watching. So, what um, <laughs> how, what did you take away from the the competition aspect of the Olympics? And see, that's what I had to kind of have to tell yourself that it's it's just another race because it is like. You have to say you've seen these people before. You see them all year at Domaly, small meets, you know. And if you think that this is the Olympics, you will psych yourself out. If you even attach Olympics to whatever that race is until afterwards, until you get out of it, you know. But I don't think I said, like, Olympic anything when I was talking about my race. Like, oh, I got, you know, semifinal one coming up or something like that. I made sure I didn't attach it to. I tried to disassociate it as much as possible because it's already – hype you know the hype is already there you don't need to add any more mentally for me anyway i didn't add any more by saying like olympic whatever to it because the moment's already there you're already here i didn't want to put any more pressure on myself than i'm already doing at that moment um that's really easy to do get caught up in the fact that it's olympic so let me go out there and do something different like you got to remember like no do the same thing you're doing that training that you were doing to get here that you're going to do now um so you got it's you got to basically calm yourself down so you don't go out there and try to do something crazy because three billion people are watching <laughs> and that's always i always like asking that question because some people I, i've actually heard like there, there's kind of two schools of thought or at least like a sliding scale is it's just another meet and i'm not even going to pretend uh, you know it's just this is what we're doing i'm going to run i'm going to do my thing and then the other argument or the other side of that is i'm going to take that energy and i'm going to utilize the hell out of it and and mm-hmm. take that you know energy whatever you want to call it nervousness whatever uh, adrenaline and use it so it's kind of interesting how there's i've found at least through through conversations with a lot of olympians so there's almost like two two different schools of thought about it so um it's pretty 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 darn interesting so yeah man i mean congratulations you want to you want a gold medal you were like what, what's like when you're uh tell, tell me that were you a part of the prelims were you part of the 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 finals as well were you were you kind of just on the track the whole I was, time? no i was part of the prelims and i've got i got taken out um for the final because of my foot um, oh, it was yeah. I was still doing the plans at that point. At that point, it got to the point where walking was like extremely painful. Um, so I ran prelims hurt, like hurting, 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 hurting. Um, and I was talking to my coach afterwards, and he talked. He made a decision to tell the relay coach and go to them. Because ultimately, if I go out there and something happens, I take it. Because you never know when. It felt like it was gonna like you know tear. Mm-hmm. I had little micro tears, so I felt like we were finally gonna just. So if I go out there and take the misstep because I want to be selfish, then now nobody gets anything. Mm-hmm. And I go down in history as the, like literally go down in history as the one that messes up because that never happened, you know. And somebody going out there and like if we fall and I drop the time, if something happens, then that's on me. Mm-hmm. And so now I ruin everything because I wanted to be selfish. And that was a oh, one of the most humbling gut checks I've ever had in my life. 
um, was because being not even selfish, but like being an individual got me here and then having to put that individual aside for the team and realize that it's bigger than you and your pride is is a is a gut check for sure for sure. Hundred percent. For sure, for sure. But as you said um, before, I, you touch you touch the track, you get the medal. So Yeah, yeah. No, you were I was part still of the very team. Proud you did of what it, I did. I was still part of a team. I was still ex- extremely, extremely happy because at the end of the day, like not only did I go to the Olympics, which was a dream, like I'm walking away with a medal. Not only am I walking away with a medal, I'm walking away with a gold medal. You know, and like <laughs> like that's still crazy to me today. Like it's still wild the fact that I have one. How many people can say they, they have it? That's a blessing, you know. And the fact that I who didn't really get recruited like that somehow wound up years later with a gold medal in the Olympics is really cool to me because I I couldn't tell you how I did it. You know, I'm saying I'm saying like that, but like you know, hard work and doing all that, but it's definitely a bigger plan than me, and I think it's really cool because you now my my kids, that'll go down to my kids, and my grandkids, like that'll stay in the family for until this is all gone. Somebody will mm-hmm. have it, so that's that's really dope. I love it, man. I think it is. Um, it's definitely there, there's nothing like it, right? Like there is nothing like a gold medal and being able to hold it. Do you have it hanging up in your house? <laughs> Funny enough, it's in a box under my bed. Um, okay well at least you know where it is sleep with it every yeah. night that's fine i like that yeah. too i like that too <laughs> you know you know sleep. yeah it's in a box under my bed for for safekeeping until i uh i want to set up a little room and everything mm-hmm. you know all sprawled out nice but until i get that set it's just there for safekeeping because otherwise i'll it. be tempted to wear it around and get some drinks and stuff you know no I'm <laughs> <laughs> take it out hey guys hey guys did you know uh no just, that's funny just, dude. just uh just showing this off yeah, I needed to, it needed some sunlight. I wanted to see that shine on it one more time. Um, no, man, I love it. And congratulations, as you said. There's nothing like a gold medal at the Olympics, especially, you know, obviously we've been talking about, you know, your story for, for 45 minutes here now. And again, in the beginning, not getting recruited by any of these big schools, going to George Mason, as you said, it, was, it had to happen that way. And thankfully it did, because maybe if you went to LSU, if you went to Virginia, you went to UNC, it's a little different. You know, maybe you get lost in the crowd a little bit. Maybe that, you know, the shine doesn't uh, come out. You know, you don't rise to the top as much. Excuse me. And, uh, you know, hey, it happened the way it did. And uh, I think it happened in a pretty darn cool way. So congratulations on all that, man. It's awesome. Thank you. I agree. Yeah, George, <laughs> George Mason University, uh, they, uh, they made me a bobblehead. Um, no way. Back in 20, I swear, back in the 2016 when I got back, they, uh, they did it. They have, because they have like a bobblehead collection. That's kind of like their thing. So they have okay. one of George Mason. One of like their popular band directors they have there, and one of like one of the guys from the Final Four, and they contacted me like, "Hey, we'd like to make a bobblehead of you." So I was like, "Are you serious?" Like, yeah, like, let's do it. Amazing. So yeah. yeah, they had a whole like a whole day. They presented them out to the crowds. I think they sell them in the bookstore currently. So yeah, George Mason made me a bobblehead. So like little things like that wouldn't have yeah. happened if I went to like a Florida or a UNC. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like those things. That's amazing. You wouldn't have your own bobblehead of me. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't have your own bobblehead. That is too funny, dude. I love it. Um, so between 2016 and now, obviously a lot of stuff's been going on. Um, you know, 2020 games as of right now, you know, we're in the middle of this whole thing. So hopefully everything does work out well, but you've done a couple different things. And, um, Alex gentleman who put us in contact together, Mm, made sure he sent me the video. Yeah. Awesome dude. He is absolutely fantastic. He made sure to send me the video, uh, that, got millions of views or whatever it is and then also led you to somehow getting on the ellen show so look at that yeah. <laughs> your life had, i mean it's just been going up since uh since high school it seems like you're just on this trajectory to go uh sky high and uh i mean what so so tell us the story uh, of you saving the the tortoise and then somehow making it onto the ellen show yeah so it was 
I almost hit it myself. I was driving home Sunday afternoon, some friends, and I saw it on the road. So I slowly miss it, uh, go park, and in the turn lane, I'm like, okay, like somebody's gonna, I was like, someone's gonna hit that for sure. So I go running out, and I'm like halfway into the intersection. I'm like, this is a really stupid idea. Like this, this is really dumb. My shoe, I had like some Adidas like skate shoes on that were like loosely tied. So I'm like gripping my toes into the bottom of the shoes so they don't like slip off. Um, and then I'm running back like with this tortoise in the air, like incorrectly carrying it. Of course, like I'm not possibly <laughs> carrying it at all. Like, it's up in the air. Like I'm sprinting back with it. Um, and I posted it. Like I've done this honestly probably like 30 times in my life. You know, like moving tortoises from the road, turtles, whatever. Um, I just so happened to have my friend recorded because I was like, if something happens, like I'm running in traffic, like recorded, so I know like people know I'm not crazy, like I'm doing it for a reason. Um, and then I posted it, and the next day it had 1.2 million views. And I refreshed my phone, so I was like, that, that doesn't happen to me. Like, what the heck? And apparently, uh, Brother Nature had reposted it because he had seen it somehow, and it kind of blew up from there. Um, and Ellen people contacted me via DM. They DM no me way. First. Yeah. And I thought it was a scam because, you know, this is so-and-so from yeah. Like, yeah, right. I'm not giving you information. <laughs> like, yep. Are you kidding me? Um, but they contacted me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then I think he sent an email. So I was like, holy crap, like, this is real. So I got in contact with them, uh, the director, Chris. And originally, they were going to do an online story because they thought it was a cool, like, you know, guy goes and says turtle. And they realized, like, oh, crap, he's a Like, Oh, he's a to go metal. So they're like, well, would you like to come on the show? So they flew me out to L.A., um, got to be on the show, got my own segment. Um, it was it was amazing. It was honestly like up there at the Olympics for me. One of the really cool experiences. Just yeah. to, you know, who gets to say to get to be on you know exactly the, the Ellen show. It's a few far between. She was such a, she's a cool person and wide audience. So it was amazing. You know, it was definitely I get to check something else off the the fantasy bucket list I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it was that was a really cool experience and that really set off a lot of things. You still hear me okay? Yeah. Sorry, I had to charge my phone up for a second. Yeah, you're good. So, yeah, that kicked off a whole lot of things um, for me. She helped me start my foundation, uh, the Golden Tortoise Rescue Foundation, which I'm actually about to do some more programs with that as well. Um, and it really just helped me kick off a whole other path of my life that I, I've always been passionate about and interested in, and now I'm actually able to pursue it because of this chance. So literally just helped me along, uh, you know, once again, just another journey. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, getting getting on a show like hers, uh, it doesn't happen uh, to everybody. Uh, winning a gold medal doesn't happen to everybody. And clearly, again, like you're you're doing the work, you're doing the right stuff. I mean, you, as you said, you've saved multiple turtles and uh, I'm sure other animals in the middle of the road as well. Um, I know she already made the joke of, you know, a sprinter saving a turtle. So, <laughs> haha, I wish I could have done it, but she beat me to it. Obviously, she's a professional <laughs> comedian and I'm just, again, some guy in my basement that likes to ask people questions. So, a little <laughs> different, but um, yeah, how, so, how, so the uh, foundation's been around for a couple years now, right? It's been around for about a year some change now. Okay. Um, for the while, I didn't know, I wanted to go so many directions with it, you know, I just wanted to go everywhere, do everything, and I had like 50 million ideas. I'm trying to run everywhere to try to do everything. And it was just kind of real stagnant for a second because I was trying to do too much. And I just didn't have a main focus of like where I wanted to go. So now I've got it down to where I want to do a classroom program. I'm doing classroom programs where if students have a classroom turtle or turtle, wow, tortoise or turtle, there we go. Uh, <laughs> you know, I go help uh, with my friends from Denver Zoo. Max would go and give them care sheets give them a food fund to help take care of that turtle. turtle. Um, I go also look for adoptions. So anyone that needs to be adopted, 
in the area, I go scout out and get those into classrooms as well as educational pets. So it takes the pressure off of the teacher mm -hmm. um, and off of the students to take care of it, but also gives them the experience of being able to have this reptile there to get to learn about, learn about their habitat, you know, come from from an educational side, but at the same time not having the pressure of dealing with the classroom pet. And it's not really a pet at the same time as, you know, most classroom aid and also gets that turtle, you know, a safe home versus someone releasing it into the wild and it's either getting killed or messing up the natural ecosystem of that area. Um, so yeah, that's one of the programs we're going out now uh, with that. So I'm actually excited to finally figure out where I'm going with it. I feel like it helps everybody, kind of goes along with the same educational side that I really want to get involved in. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to finally have a direction. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and of course, everyone wants to help. So it's cool that you figured out a way that, as you said, you can help the teachers, you can help the students, you can help the, the animals themselves, which is very important. So I think that that's, that is fantastic. And congratulations on that, man. I'll make sure I shoot the uh, the link that was given to me also to have in the show notes, just so everybody gets the, the, the chance. If they missed you a couple of years ago on the show, I think that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. And, and that's the same year, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, that you also became vegan, correct? I actually yeah a little bit before that okay um but that was when I fully fully decided to make the make the change like you know what like let me stop playing when you do it for real because I, I felt really hypocritical you know saying like okay like I love animals I'm gonna save animals and do all this and help and then go and eat a burger or something or go eat chicken wings and I felt like we are a big hypocrite and uh, who am I to decide like this one gets to live and this one mm -hmm. gets to die that's that was my mindset on it so yeah I changed so I wasn't doing it for the health aspects. I actually didn't even think about that side of it at first, not even realizing that it could could have potentially been detrimental to my training. Because um, I know a lot of people worry about this and that. And my family was worried. Um, coaches were a little bit worried. But everything got better afterwards. Like my energy levels, uh, my weight, my weight room training got, was better. Track was improving. Um, I had an injury on in my Achilles, which had nothing to do with diet. That's because I'm a 5'7", 400 runner that puts a lot of force in the ground over mm -hmm. and over and over again. Um, so yeah, overall, physically though, uh, it's been great, you know, since I switched, I feel like it's helped me, my energy levels strength wise, I'm in the best physical shape I've ever been in and I'm almost 30. Well, I'm almost 29, but I like to say almost 30 because, you know, it sounds better. So I'm almost 30 and I'm in the best physical shape of my life. So yeah, it's been, it's been a good switch. Um, and once you find what works for you, what you like, once you realize that you're really just craving textures and flavors not necessarily the meat then you kind of get over it mm -hmm. so i found substitutes that work for me seasoned it up right and you know a lot of places are a lot more vegan friendly so yeah. it's getting easier and easier i live in atlanta so there's vegan options everywhere so it's not yeah it's really not that bad once you make the choice um once again having your personal choice i'm not one of those vegans that's out there like shaming everybody and mm -hmm. you know oh you eat that like everyone you know teach his own you know, I don't know. I might not approve of it, but I'm also not going to sit there and scorn you because that's not your choice. So, yeah, you know, to each his own. But, yeah, no, nah, it's been great. I got my sister on it now. She's uh, doing a plant-based diet. So it's cool that I have a lot of friends and, like, teammates and other people, like, hitting me up, asking me different questions and asking about recipes and does this work? So it's fun, like, because I'm still learning. So I'm reading mm -hmm. stuff and learning and figuring things out and have people come to me asking. It's, it's a lot of fun for me because now I got to learn more. And I get to pass it on so to help them because they're seeing me doing something. I'm like, okay, if he can do it, let me try. So the fact that I'm able to, I hate using influence just because of it, but I'm able to help other people make the, make the change for their diet, mm -hmm. which, I, which I believe personally is for the better. Because even if they do, you know, a couple meals a week, I feel like plant-based couldn't kill anybody. You know, that's exactly. Like that's good for you. So even just a couple, couple weeks out of the, a couple days out of the week, 
you know, cutting meat out, I feel like it's phenomenal. If you don't want to go 100%, cool. You know what? Meet me halfway. Now, a lot of people are not going to agree with me, but hey, you can't, you got you to gotta take what you can get sometimes. So. Exactly. And, and as even as you said, teach his own, man. You know, if someone only wants to eat meat, a little weird, but whatever. And, you know, yeah, plant-based I, diet, like it, yeah, it, it makes prove, sense. But, hey, do yeah. you and I'll do me over here. Just mm-hmm. don't bug me, I won't bug you. Yeah, we can all be friends about it. Not a big deal. And yeah, I usually, um, you know, not every, I mean, very rarely does every meal contain meat. I mean, usually lunch is a meatless meal for me. And then usually on Mondays, meatless Mondays, you know, let's hashtag yeah, yeah, yeah. it, right? It's super easy. I just make like chickpea tacos. Turns out they're delicious. So, I mean, why the heck not? Have you tried lentils? I'm not a fan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not a fan of lentils, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm just beans in general. Just not my thing. I don't know. Well, it's not for everybody, man. Exactly. Yeah. But we, we rock and roll. We try and I, I try and be healthy. I mean, I think everything in moderation, right? Like just don't eat like an ass and you're probably going <laughs> to be just fine. Like don't go to McDonald's once a week, maybe like once a month is fine. Occasionally, like That's whatever, man, just like exactly. keep everything in moderation. So that's awesome. Yeah. I definitely want to make sure I got that in. Cause it's always interesting when you hear high level, uh, extremely, you know, elite athletes, you know, switching up their diet, especially this far into their career is interesting. But I mean, if you feel the best that you've ever felt and you're, you're as you said, your energy levels are there and you're doing everything right. Um, you know, it's a little different than, you know, some of my friends that went vegetarian. It's just like, that means I can eat Doritos. It's like, well, dude, I don't think that's the point of going vegetarian, <laughs> right? Like one meal of Doritos is not the best thing for you. And that's the thing. You still have to be like nutritious with what you're eating. Exactly. Um, you still have to pay attention to what you're eating. And it's funny because people are like, well, where are you getting your vitamins and minerals from it? But if you look at what you're eating on a daily basis from like a regular diet, you're eating, let's say you eat steak and potatoes, like, okay. Well, where are you getting your vitamins and minerals from? Yeah, where from? are you getting your minerals, you know what I'm saying? Like, where are you getting them from? I promise you my assortment of veggies and, and root vegetables and stuff like that are going to be more nutritious overall than your burger. You know, so exactly. you're worried about me. <laughs> you really should be worried about yourself. But, exactly, hey. man. It, it's funny how that works, but no, it's it's a uh, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. So thank you, thank you for sharing that. I I always appreciate that. So we are. It is the year 2020. Um, we are in the middle of a little. Uh, we'll, we'll call it a small crisis. Um, small crisis. Small crisis. Small crisis. Small crisis. We let's downplay it a little bit. Hopefully everything will be fine. Um, but you know what your 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 goal is to go to the 2020 games. Um, what what is that looking like so far? Are you are you one of those six guys that's been in all these races? Like how, how have you been feeling? And and what are your what are your expectations uh, on making the games? So this year has been especially important because I've been dealing with the like I said the Achilles problem the last couple seasons and. So trying to get ready for that. So it's been, I want to say business as usual, but it hasn't been just because nothing is business as usual right now. Mm-hmm. You know, the gyms are closing here. People are hopping fences trying to, trying to get the tracks. You know, Olympians and athletes all over the place are trying to just find ways to train, really, because now it's getting to the point where it's not about trying to even get the races. Now it's about trying to get the training, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to adapt. So doing a lot of in-home workouts, going more long runs trying to use utilize the grass more um i took up boxing trying to get ready for a trade event um a couple months like about a month ago so that's kept me in shape you know like just finding other ways to stay in shape it boils down to okay somebody else is doing something so how can i stay in shape how can i stay positive how can i do whatever i can do to make the situation better because in the day like i can stress about it i can complain that i can't do xyz or i could figure out what i can do and, and make it work you know, because doing something better than nothing. And then going out there and even, you know, finding a 60 meters of grass and doing sprints until I equal up to what I was supposed to do is better than, you know, sitting at home going, well, you know, I wish I had a track. Like, mm-hmm. no, you find something, make it work. 
you know, if you're adaptable, you, you know, that's what makes sports sports. You know, it's mm-hmm. everything's unwritten, which makes it fun. It's, and who will, it makes it interesting because who will, you know, overcome these adverse conditions and then still make it. So now it's kind exactly. of fun. It's like a game. Like, okay, like how shit can I get with what I have? I'm playing MacGyver of training. <laughs> how can I piece together a workout in my house? You know, I don't have a, a the tools. So I'm about to, actually about to duct tape. I just duct tape a, a gallon jug and turn it into a med ball. Um, so the handle, use mm-hmm. it as a, a weight. So yeah, just how can I figure out what to do in my house? And I promise you, I had a 30 minute workout with this jug and I'm in here sweat dripping like I just left the gym. So, you know, just be adaptable. How can you make it work for you and just stay positive? And 100%. if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but it doesn't work for everybody. You know, we yeah. you cancel for everybody. It's not like it's happening to just me. We cancel for the world. Yeah. So I can't sit here and be like, oh, I'm sad. Like everyone's in the same boat. So just make it a party boat. But, yeah, I like that. <laughs> there we go. That is the quote of the episode. Like We're all in the same boat, so let's make it a party boat. I love it, man. Um, no, dude, I think it's awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, you have to do what you have to do, right? Like, again, it's it's an unfortunate situation. We have literally never seen anything like this before. So if there is something, you know, you got to make the best of it, right? Like you made the best of your situation on George Mason. You made the best of your situation after you missed the 2012 games. And it sounds like you're trying to make the best of your situation to get ready for 2020. So I think that that is very important. Um, So yeah, man, I'm obviously crossing my fingers. I know a lot of Olympians. I work with a lot of Olympians and I want everybody that opportunity, you know, obviously not everyone's going to make it, but if there's, I just want the games to go on because I love it. Of course, Uh, the Mm -hmm. world loves it, but um, you know, it's just one of those things where, Hey, you know, it is what it is. And let's, uh, we're, we're all in it together and hopefully, you know, together we can, we can make sure something like this does happen. So let's, uh, let's cross our fingers. Let's stay inside. And I think everyone uh, will, will end up being just, just, just fine. So until then, but the last question I have for you, man, is I, I always like to pose, you know, I want to know what athletes are going to do after their athletic career comes over. There's gravity, there's physics, there's biology. I don't <laughs> need to show you the math. I don't need to show you the science, but eventually you're not going to be one of the fastest people on planet earth anymore, unfortunately. Um, so I know you're writing so. a children's book, which I think is pretty cool, but what are, what are some of the things, obviously your foundation now too, what are, what are you looking to do in your post-career career? Uh, that's the thing. A little bit of, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything. Honestly, um, I'm actually at that point now because this will be my my last season. Um, mm-hmm. so whatever happens, happens. So if we run, we run. If we don't, uh, either way, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, this will be my last season. So I look into. I want to do a lot of different things. I actually just got a, a little part time position at the zoo. Um, just because it's been a childhood dream to work at the zoo. I saw mm-hmm. openings, so I started working at the Zoo Atlanta uh, a couple days a week just to get in. I get paid to walk around and talk about animals. So that's kind of like that's awesome. right, along with, right along with my foundation. So I'm learning, you know, things that can help me with my foundation. I'm getting involved. I'm, I'm talking with people that are involved in, you know, conservation and wireless, like learning about habitat. So I'm, I'm doing that literally just for fun. Like I literally get paid to go to the zoo. So I'm doing that just to kind of learn more for my own good. Um, I do a lot of private coaching and personal coaching. Um, I coach at Lake Sumter College back in Florida for a little while. So I plan on doing some coaching, private college. Uh, I was in a commercial for Switch for Good a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always liked like the acting side of things. So I want to get into some acting. I want to pursue that as well. Just uh, just see where it goes. I feel like I have a personality enough to, to see something happen. Um, so I want to try that. So between coaching, acting, foundation, zoo, book, um i figured that'll keep me busy for right now until i find what else i want to do mm-hmm. uh, and then once i figure that out i'm attack that as well you know? hell yeah i think uh 
you know, whatever ideas or what I want to do, I should try it. And if I don't like it, then I know that's not for me. If I do, then okay, I found something else. But um, always staying busy, always trying to do something. It's worth it, man. What what worst comes to worst, you, uh, I mean, you got the charisma, so you can do something in acting. And heck yeah, I mean, hey, if it doesn't work out, whatever, then you write another book. If it doesn't work out, you go buy a zoo at that point, right? Like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to, you know, look back when I'm, you know, older and be like, oh, I wish I, you know, I wish I could have tried or what could have been. It's like, no, I tried it, it didn't work. So, or I tried it and now I'm here. Yeah. Either way, I don't want to look back and be like, oh, I wish, because that's a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wishing I had done something. So, uh, yeah, I, if I, <laughs> to my discredit, sometimes it all it doesn't always work, but if I want to do something, you try it. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it works. And, uh, you exactly, know, man. Hey, man, it works out for you so far. So, David, this was absolutely fantastic. David Verberg, USA Track and Field Olympic gold medalist, um, children's book writer, vegan, uh, zoo worker. Love that. That's awesome. Hope you enjoy the hell <laughs> out of that one, man. Uh, really appreciate yeah, your time today, man. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with David. As I said, he was such a fun dude to hang out with and just talk talk to and chat with and, and just enjoy the conversation. So I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Make sure to follow David on all his socials, all the links in the show notes. So I hope you guys enjoy that. If you could, make sure to follow us on all of ours as well. And also give us a nice review on iTunes, on Facebook, on Google, on Spotify, wherever, just subscribe, give us some love. It would be super helpful. So thank you all so much, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.